Good afternoon. You're listening to All Things Considered on KTLO in Juneau. I'm Yvonne Cremery. Alaska-based storytellers will take the stage tomorrow at the Crystal Saloon to share what diaspora and belonging mean to them. The event is called Displaced, and it will feature writers of color from Juneau and Anchorage. The idea came to Juneau musician Daniel Furman about 10 years ago in a poetry workshop. While his friend wrote about displacement of water, he immediately thought of his experience growing up in both Fairbanks and Fort Yukon. What I want to do is to talk about that feeling of not being accepted between two worlds that really are one. Furman says that he never quite felt like he belonged, that he wasn't ever white enough or native enough for either community. After Unseated, an event last spring that featured musicians of color, Furman pitched organizer Trip Krauss the idea of doing a storytelling event. For Krauss, the idea struck home too. They're Ojibwe and grew up in Illinois with the non-native side of their family. Now they're in Alaska with friends who have their own experiences with diaspora. A friend of mine calls Juno the island of misfit toys, but it's a place where we all sort of get together and hang out and do fun things and put on really cool events. Krauss says there's no cover because they want anyone to be able to come without a financial barrier. Any donations will go to the artists. They haven't reviewed any of the stories or poems the speakers will read. And there's just one rule. It must be original. I really wanted to speak from who you are. Other storytellers will include Ernestine, Sean Kachat, Hayes, and Nami. Displaced is Wednesday at the Crystal Saloon at 8 p.m. About 150 people signed in to the public hearing for the Ambler Road draft EIS last week. Commenters noted the report found impacts to subsistence hunting and fishing, and as KUAC's Robin reports, nearly all oppose construction of the mining access road. People packed a room at Raven Landing for the Fairbanks hearing, the first of a series to gather public comment on the Bureau of Land Management's draft supplemental environmental impact statement for the Ambler Road. BLM project manager Stacy McIntosh described the proposed road. The project is basically to construct, operate, maintain, and eventually remove an all-season industrial access-only road from the Dalton Highway to the Ambler Mining District. Tanana Chiefs Conference President Brian Ridley asked the BLM to deny a right-of-way for the road. The Ambler Road has been constantly promoted for critical minerals, but the latest mineral resource reports for the four deposits in the Ambler Mining District dispel this claim. First, it's important to recognize that there are no mines in the Ambler Mining District. The promise of mineral independence is hollow. Rachel Gadeke of Inyokuk Lake in the Brooks Range read a statement from her brother John about the Alaska Industrial Development and Export Authority, or ADA, who applied for the right-of-way. ADA appears committed to forward action at all costs. This is a perverse development mentality that goes against all that the EIS is supposed to guarantee. This right-of-way application is riddled with words like as appropriate, when possible, and if feasible. Nowhere in this application is there any hint of respect or dedication to stakeholders in the region. Look at the wording in this supplemental EIS. It speaks only of impacts, pollution, extermination, contamination, and decline. The BLM hearings are required by the National Environmental Policy Act, NEPA, and the Alaska National Interest Conservation Act, or ANILCA, to collect comments on the document, such as pointing out inaccuracies or deficiencies. But most commenters, like Emily Hykus of Fairbanks, agreed with the report and wanted instead to talk about the road, 
The industrial traffic rumbling down this road would cross 2,900 streams, 11 major rivers, and 2,000 acres of wetlands. It is important that we preserve the healthy existence of plentiful, freely roaming caribou, unburdened fish and plant populations, and the traditions of people who have stewarded this land for thousands of years before it was ever decided that the geological formations underneath of them are worth more than they are. Many commenters travel to the Fairbanks hearing from villages near the proposed road route. Frank Thompson, first chief of Evansville Tribal Council, said it's the effects of the mines at the end of the road that he's concerned about. Because no specific mining proposal is under consideration, no specific mitigation is proposed for the indirect mining scenario. While the impacts of the proposed road are substantial and unacceptable, the indirect effects of at least four large-scale mines and perhaps up to a dozen other mines will be disastrous and unsustainable for the region. One person at the hearing spoke in favor of the project. My name is Craig Jones, and I'm from Ambler. Jones is a project manager for the Ambler Access Project, headquartered in Fairbanks. At one point in my life, I was a very vocal opponent to this project. I just want to seat at the table to make sure that we try and do what we can to mitigate all these concerns, to address them. I'm in for responsible development of access. A link to the draft SIS and the instructions on how to submit written comments are available on the BLM website. The comment period ends December 22nd. BLM will host public hearings at the community center in Evansville next Tuesday evening, then Cayenne and Kotzebue later next week, and other impacted villages later this month. In Fairbanks, I'm Robin. A recent cluster of new HIV diagnoses originating in Fairbanks has pushed the Alaska Division of Public Health to investigate barriers to HIV prevention and testing. One of the barriers is that people have trouble accessing PrEP in the state. That's a prescription that helps prevent 99% of HIV transmission through sex. Alaska Public Media's Rachel Cassandra has more. Robin O'Donoghue grew up in Fairbanks and first heard about PrEP for preventing HIV transmission in college. PrEP is a daily pill or injection. A few years after learning about it, O'Donoghue got a prescription. Becoming more educated, getting older, wanted to, you know, just be more health conscious. And statistically, if you're a sexually active gay man, you probably should be on PrEP if you can. At first, O'Donoghue didn't have insurance, so he used a free online service called Mr. Everything was sent through the mail, including lab testing. When he later got health insurance, he started accessing PrEP through a clinic in Juneau. PrEP is supposed to be free under almost all insurance, but soon O'Donoghue started hitting snags with his prescription. I kept running into issues where normally it's fully covered, zero dollars out of pocket, but then I would get billed almost $500, and trying to correct it, the pharmacy would say it's insurance, insurance would say it's the pharmacy's fault, and it wouldn't get resolved, and I just didn't have time to fight that. He says sometimes he either had to pay out of pocket or miss taking pills. Over the two years he went to clinics in Juneau and Anchorage, he says he spent about $1,500 on overcharges. And when he couldn't pay, he says sometimes he just missed taking his prescription. Ultimately, O'Donoghue says he switched back to getting his prescriptions online through Mr. because it was always free. Robin Lutz is the executive director at the Alaskan AIDS Assistance Association, or 4As. She says the organization has been talking with people newly diagnosed with HIV. Robin O'Donoghue, who had trouble accessing PrEP, is a board member of 4As. O'Donoghue's experience is one Robin Lutz is familiar with. 
She's hearing about lots of problems accessing PrEP in Alaska. We heard about people who were given misinformation about PrEP, people who had a visit with their provider at a time when it would have been appropriate to recommend or discuss PrEP and that opportunity was missed. We had people who got a prescription to PrEP but weren't able to fill it because of issues around insurance coverage and misinformation um, and cost. Joe McLaughlin is an epidemiologist for the Alaska Division of Public Health. He says assessments done about the Interior's HIV cluster helped the division learn more about barriers to HIV testing and prevention. And he says the state's response to the cluster will be to help make sure healthcare providers and the public have better education around HIV and access to testing and care. We're going to be looking at how can we how can we improve access to testing, increase strategic messaging to promote awareness and uptake of PrEP, HIV STI testing, and other prevention strategies to gain bisexual men and other populations who may benefit from this information develop and disseminate information that healthcare providers can use to quickly assess PrEP needs among their patients. Lutz says because of issues in the state with PrEP, 4As is launching a same-day PrEP program in Anchorage. People can walk into the clinic and walk out with PrEP. She says those kinds of programs have been very effective in the lower 48 states. And Lutz says 4As is launching a statewide support program to help people when they hit snags getting PrEP. So someone can call and say, hey, I'm trying to fill my PrEP prescription. My pharmacy is saying I have a $500 payment for it. And we have the expertise to know, oh, that's not right. Let's do some advocacy right here. Let's talk with the pharmacist. Let's solve this problem for you in real time so you don't have an interruption in your PrEP prescription. 4A's PrEP programs start December 4th. After that, Alaskans can call any 4A's office in Anchorage, Juneau, or Matsu Borough for support accessing PrEP. Alaskans can find out about HIV testing and prevention from a healthcare provider or through health.alaska.gov. In Anchorage, I'm Rachel Cassandra. This is KTOO.